Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. It's time. It's time to have real, honest, open, difficult, and inspiring conversations. It's time for Love and Life on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Our first guest in this evening, she's one of my love bugs. And she's one of yours, too, because she's no stranger to the show. She uh, was born in Jerusalem, is a lifelong resident of North Philadelphia who passionately advocates for all communities, particularly underserved communities, immigrants and black and brown populations. She currently serves as the director of state advocacy for the Pennsylvania State Senate as the only Arab staffer in the General Assembly. And she's a recurring family member here on Love and Life. I welcome you and invite you to the conversation with Jude Hussein. Hi there, beautiful. Hi, Carol. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> it is always nice to see you. I feel like it's been so long, though. It always feels that way. It, do- it does. How are you, though? I'm good. What is this I hear that you're leaving us in the flesh? What is no, going on? No, no, no. How Just next week. With me. No. no. So, well, you all know, if you all know that I perform as well as uh, I'm here on the show. So I just wanted to let our family members know that next week, Roxy Fab, our beloved, she will be sitting in for me because I, I will uh, be working, uh, gigging. I okay, fine. We'll take it. We'll so, take it. But I'm you listen, I'm coming. We'll let back. you bless other people next week. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So family, you know I am not deserting you ever. And if I could, I would broadcast from where I will be. But unfortunately, the signal it, it just won't allow me to do so. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll take it. We'll miss you for this week. <laughs> Thank you, Jude. So tell us what's been going on with you. How are things with you? Everything is, um, it's moving. This new year is exciting. We're excited for all good things in Philly. Um, Our prayers still go out to Palestine, which is still, as it's still under siege, we're still at 110 days. um, Mm -hmm. And over half of the population is near starvation. And so we're really praying for a ceasefire right now. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it had, I have to be, okay. So family, you know, I've said this to you several times in the past. I, um, I'm so sensitive to all of what's happening. Um, but because there's so much that I still don't understand and so much information is just filtered. But what I do see is so much pain and so much hurt and so much, so, so many killings. Um, and because of that, I, I, I try to limit my intake. Um, so I did not even realize we, we were at 110 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the reality of over 2 million individuals. I mean, uh, mothers are giving birth without any painkillers and um, two mothers die a day. 
Um, and so we have thousands of births happening um, with no anesthetic, nothing. Um, and children are really near starvation and famine. We have now 70% chance of famine that has been reported out by UNICEF um, and different UN NGOs. And so this is the hard reality that is still occurring. And so it feels like a lifetime ago that we spoke about this, Carol. I don't know if you remember back in, in the fall when it all started to unfold. And, you know, uh, we said, well, We'll pray for a ceasefire and hopefully it's coming because of all of the great faith of, of world leaders. But yet we're here still 110 days later with innocent lives on the line. And so praying for a ceasefire, but really the reality of over 2 million individuals with a death toll rising over 25,000, half of them are young people under the age of 10. Oh, my God. And let me apologize to you because I know um, you still have family. Members that are there, and I, I, you know, now as I'm as I'm reliving what I just said, I'm, I'm I I have the opportunity to turn the news off, but this is life. But you, mm. this is, you're living this because you have family members. So I'm terribly sorry. No. I'm terribly sorry for that. Um, and I know how's your grandmother? How My are your family is members? Good. Everything is under. Um, a lot of tension than it normally is, but uh, we're we're grateful that they're doing all okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Oh no! Um, I always it just oh felt God. insensitive when I said I said, "Oh my God!" No, don't even worry about it. All good. Mm. We all know your heart, Carol. Blame the head and not the heart. Thank you, Jude. Thank I'm you. periodically, Carol. Just give me a shot. This is why you do pregnant every month. I'm going to lighten it up a bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was a good one. So thank mm -hmm. you for that. And thank you. <laughs> so Jude, okay, let's, I want to talk about something. So here we mm -hmm. are. Uh, we had the, if I'm not mistaken, city council had its first meeting today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And there's some new developments. I'm sorry. No, all you. Um, yes, it's the first time that, you know, officially Councilman, well, Council President Kenyatta Johnson has, you know, embarked on this new leadership role. And so that was really exciting to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, what does that mean on a state level? Now, the city council has met today. This, does that, how does that impact things on a, on a state level? So as of right now, um, it doesn't impact um, much, but mm -hmm. just know that there is new leadership like Council President um, Kenyatta Johnson, uh, Madam Mayor uh, Parker, and the opportunity to work together to deliver their priorities um, to the city of Philadelphia. And so what that looks like on the state level, I shouldn't say no completely, but Today, um, House and Senate were not in session, but um, the Philadelphia delegation, so the um, Senate members and the House members that represent parts of Philly um, mm -hmm. are able to support, you know, their their fellow council people, depending on their needs. And so that all goes back to that intergovernmental cooperation that uh, Mayor Parker has um campaigned on and has mm -hmm. introduced to us very recently that, you know, she will be a champion for intergovernmental uh, cooperation. So meaning all levels of government working together um, right. to deliver the best uh, for the neighbors of Philadelphia. And so um, nothing as it stands right now, but looking ahead, mm -hmm. seeing if those relationships really can cooperate with one another. 
We will remain hopeful about Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) I do want to invite one of our family members who is joining us on the phone line. Our beloved Ms. Viola is on line one. Hello there, beautiful. Hello, hello, hello. Mm I'm saying this with such secrecy. It's no secret. I mean, I will be working the Soul Train cruise next week. So I, I will be working that. So if you'll be on the cruise, then we, we can hang out together. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> Thank I'm you. so thankful. I'm just thankful for what word gives us. And, um, you know, listening to the lady and I truly understand, you know, uh, I, I understand what's going on. And, you know, I'll just say that I would pray and ask God to really move a lot of things out of the way that should be there. And he's going to take mm-hmm. care of it, you know, and we mm-hmm. just have to depend on him in so many things, as I have always depended upon in my own health situations and family situations, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm just thankful to be able to listen. I have no real comments about it, but I have been listening, and like you say, sometimes you just have to turn off the news, because mm-hmm. it's, very sad. it's very sad sometimes when we hear things, especially where the children are concerned, the babies it's, that have nothing to do with what adults make choices about. So, yes. You know, but I wish her well and hope that pray that her family stays safe and in contact with Thank you, Ms. Paola. Yes, but I, you know, just wanted to give Carol a shout out. But I, I have been listening. <laughs> yeah, I can, thank you, Ms. Viola. <laughs> you know I miss I, you when I don't hear your voice. <laughs> I know, and I have been very busy, even in just, you know, getting on Facebook a couple of times. But, you know, we have to know how to shut things down into something else. Yes. So, you know, I have been able to do that. But as far as the things that have been happening, you know, a friend losing her daughter through cancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, left, I lost a cousin and now another brother of that cousin is sick. You know, oh, things goodness. around. But, you oh, know. Oh, Ms. Viola, I'm sending. Mm. But you know what? When a person would say to me, oh, bye, you're strong. And I said, what is strong? You know, what is strong? God gives mm-hmm. us exactly what he knows we can handle. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he does. I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for that. And, uh, you know, I've told this before that April 13th of this year, I'll be a 41-year breast cancer survivor. Praise God. (laughs) The Lord has blessed me tremendously. And I just let a person know that how he has blessed me, I am supposed to be here. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So everyone out there listening, have a great evening, a blessed weekend that's coming up. And I wish you well. You just sing on, girl. Just sing on. 
do is be blessed. Thank you as well, Ms. Viola. You be blessed and be safe out there because I know Ms. Viola doesn't sit still. You be safe and you continue to be blessed. Um, I do want to share that Cheryl Hicks Lucas is joining us. She sends a good evening to the entire family. We send one right back to you. Steve Manning is joining us. Hey, you. Sending it right back to you. Um, just uh, Blaine. Hey there, my cousin. Hey, cuzzo. He's saying hello. Um, Eric, I do see your comment. And I'm going to share that actually when we come back from our commercial break. Family, know that the phone lines are still open and uh, feel free to continue to comment on our socials. When we come back, we're going back to the phone lines and back to our comments and then to our conversation with you. Stay with us because we are coming right back. You're listening to Love and Life with Carol Riddick on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Well, hey there, family. Welcome back. You are tuned in to Love and Life with yours truly, Carol Riddick right here on WURD. We are joined with Jude Hussein in this hour. And as I did share with you before the commercial break, I said that we would go back to the comments and then we would go to our phone lines. Uh, Eric is sharing. Welcome back, Jude. I truly love when you come and share your knowledge. Uh, Welcome back to the platform. (laughs) He shares, I love when you share your knowledge, work and inspiring conversation. Never stop. Keep on keeping on. Thank you. Uh, You're so nice to me, Carol. Oh, this is family right here because you are family too, Jude. This is family. This is family right here. Uh, Ron has been waiting to join the conversation. Hey there, Ron. He's on mine too. Hello, everyone. How you doing, ma'am, everybody? Yesterday, I was in Jefferson Hospital. Love and life is absolutely the way to go. Life and then share that love. Even in hospitals where they really need that human touch. I got a chance to do my thing in the hospital. It was my day to see our primary doctor. And did I talk about love and life? Matter of fact, I thought it was two men through the week. Not only the day, but through the week. We talked about love and life, our love and life family here, where we are on WRD, because that's the infrastructure where it comes from. We start talking about our team that we're putting together. And anybody in Philadelphia could be a part of this love and life. And my cup running over. On uh, Mr. Jacob that calls on WRD, I didn't know his family members was there for their treatment. She called him. And the rest of it is history, as they say. And I want to say to everyone, the women and everybody, I got there at 9 o'clock. That was my appointment to be to meet with my family. Please get your blood work done. At 9 mm. o'clock, something after 9, the blood place where they take your blood at, it was pulled up with all kinds of people getting their blood work. So that's maybe something you want to do. And then I got a chance, Ryan got a chance to talk about one. We're very fortunate to have a healing building like that for the people that was there. Then I did one of the old gospel hymns. Then I went on to say some other things. What is this thing we call life? And what I'm saying, I want to thank Malcolm. I want to thank all the family members that is a part of the Love and Life team, not excluding no one else. And thank Kyle for being able to have this vision, to bring this vision into e- this, this vision and forth into existence. Look at what's happening in the world today. And I'm so glad. I feel better. I feel much better. And I always, always my, my primary doctor was telling me, because I 
through my medical insurance, something that she wanted to make sure that my uh, medical insurance covered. So I want to thank the person that helped me before my appointment and gave me some help with my legs. They're bad, but my heart is well. And once again, once again, when we have our outreach program like Love and Life, no, when we have this, you don't know what it does for someone. I only can speak for me. But when you come in the Love and Life segment, with the healthcare, all, all, all in conjunction on this station, it's got to make you uh, feel better. So I feel better, so much better to be a part of my Love and Life family. I want to thank the guys once again for calling in, uh, uh, calling in and calibrating the lady that's in here now to be able to help them. And they support Cal because she likes that. She likes to be able to help. And again, the guy Malcolm and so many of the other people that, that, that comes and confirm and let that person know that's there, that we care. Yes, we are family. That's purpose in life. Thank you, wonderful people, for being a inspiration to so much of us. My cups do run over. I would never I'll be ever grateful ever grateful for what have been done for me out of all the things that have some people have done for me. I'll be grateful for them. someone with someone like the Love and Life family care for you. It's a testimony that the creators and people like you, Miss Cow, and y'all down to help people. Thank you. Ron, Ron, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, I'm going to keep you in my prayers. I always do, but I'm going to keep you in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Family, hi there. If you have just joined us, uh, we're having some sort of technical issues tonight, but bear with us. You know, that's just the devil trying to get in and he is never welcome. He is always rebuked. <laughs> so I just want to make you aware that we are aware. Um, just letting you know. I do want to say hello to my cousin, April. Hi there, beloved. She is checking in and the beautiful Miss Rosalind as well is checking in. So Jude, I do have some questions for you. Jude shared some things um, offline and she was talking about um, our youth getting more involved in the voting process. And, and, and uh, I'm curious. So I don't really have the statistics on uh, the 18 to 35 range. So I'm not sure if you do, and if, if you do, are they uh, engaged? Are they very engaged in the voting process? So if I could put it in a context where it's super easy to wrap around, if 18 to 35-year-olds in Philadelphia just vote, they get determined every single position in office. That's how much power they have. And not all, I think the number is, I can get it in a second, but um, a little over 300,000, but not even all of them need to vote. And so what's interesting is that we know the voting blocks that age are primarily the older crowd, whether it's mm -hmm. um, uh, older as in a 55 and older, um, mm -hmm. really who you see. But 18 to 35 year olds in the city of Philadelphia have less than a 10 percent turnout. And so that's really interesting um, that we cannot seem to get that 18 to 35 year old. But a lot of the time 
they'll say that the rhetoric, the language that's being used is not really tailored to them and that they're always mm. counted out. And so um, the power that that block has and no candidate can really appeal to that voting block is... Mm a missed and a severe missed opportunity and something that we really should keep an eye on uh, because that is the working, uh, the working, uh, the, the young, the uh, Mm -hmm. all types of different people. Um, And so they're always uh, counted out in what we've seen in the past uh, two decades at the very least in modern day time. And so that is a serious opportunity that could be detrimental in the upcoming year. Why do you think there's such a, a big disconnect with um, communicating with that that demographic? I think that that demographic does not feel like they are seen and or heard. And so um, we always say, go vote. And we're like, well, why should you vote? Right. Like, why do you care about uh, voting or is voting our only responsibility? But after voting comes accountability and after voting sure. comes advocacy. And I think that age block uh, just feels disregarded and that it won't matter. But who has tailored language to say, okay, well, do you care about women's rights? Do you care about, you know, um, having uh, women ensure that they have the right to choose for themselves? Well, come out and make sure you vote for these certain members that are protecting these rights. And so the only reason why we still have the right uh to our body as women, um, as it relates to abortions and other things, is because honestly, we did it here in Pennsylvania because of the people that we have in office. If that goes away, then we have an issue that could be easily revoked. Um, as it relates to legalizing marijuana, now, um, regardless of how people feel about it, right? You have a say in the people that you put in office. What? and where and when they advocate for things. And so mm-hmm. we are not tailoring language as it relates to what is truly on the ballot. It's not just this candidate, right? Right, it's right. Candidate that believes in X, Y, and Z. Um, anyone who's looking for 100% of liking anyone is not there, but we don't even uh, try to tailor language to try to reel in that voter block. Um, mm-hmm. Or even trying to make it a little bit more trendier, right? Because we say, okay, we definitely look at the data. They don't vote. Let me move on to the voting block that does vote. Instead of trying to come in and really speaking to this voter block and understanding why is there a mistrust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is a few reasons why. You know, it's, I struggle to understand um, why if we know that, that that demographic feels unheard and... Uh, as if, you know, their voice is not being addressed. I, I struggle to understand how a campaign has not been put together to include them or to 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 make them feel and become more inclusive. We speak about, and, and I know, I know, you know, what the more popular issues are uh, for which our politicians campaign, but uh, this this is a big world. I str- I really don't understand when they play such a large part and could change things exponentially, like you just shared, they could change things. Absolutely. I mean, Philadelphia has over 300,000 individuals that are registered to vote from the ages 18 to 35. And uh, we talk about, let's, you know, register Mm -hmm. people to vote. 
Philadelphia has over an 85% rate of people registered to vote. What are we doing to actually get out the vote, right? Mm. And starting a month before a primary is not a campaign that's going to be effective. This is a voting block that has uh, been overlooked time and time again. And so actually trying to create language, literature, a door knocking campaign, um, really investing in a campaign that brings Mm -hmm. them out to show them. But registering people to vote in the city of Philadelphia isn't necessarily an issue. We should continue to do it. But with Mm -hmm. over an 85% um, registered voter base, I mean, what we need to do is get those voters to the polls. And what is stopping them? It's that disconnect. Um, and so it's tough. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm looking at uh, some of the comments that our family members are sharing. And Brandon is in agreement. He shares this in part. Uh, they may feel because they have no voice or that they're not heard. And uh, I'm in agreement with that. Eric shares that he believes that a lot of the youth today believe that voting is a mature older folk duty. Youthful problems need more youthful leadership. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting that you would say that because I was thinking, I was trying to think of the youngest politician, uh, the, of the age of the youngest politician. So that point of view could quite possibly be, uh, you know, the mindset for that demographic, because I, I can't really I can't really think of a, a, a politician that's a little on the younger side. I think the youngest member. Um in Congress is, I think Maxwell Frost is what I've seen um, from Florida, who's age 27. But I think in the city of Philadelphia, if we look at the young members um, or the younger members that are elected would be, you know, Councilman Isaiah Thomas, Councilman Mm -hmm. Gilmore Richardson, both tremendous people, both very vocal um, and really try to connect. I'm familiar with uh, Councilman Thomas's work in terms of, you know, being chair of education and Mm -hmm. really being in tune with with young people. But um, really trying to reach that broader audience is going to be critical. And I don't think it's necessarily being the mature or an older folks duty. I think there is a severe uh, mistrust, right? And also what is on the line, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And okay, I vote, but then what happens next? And so how are we educating young people to know that voting is every year, but there are other ways to practice your civic engagement and your civic duty and your civic responsibility, essentially, that tie into casting that ballot. And so that education and that willingness to educate that that voter block needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You you um, again, Jude was sharing some information with me offline and I'm, I'm addressing some of the things that you shared. And one of the things you shared with me was about FaceTime for our actual electeds. Do you think it would make a, a, a huge difference or even the slightest, maybe if there was more FaceTime with our candidates or, or, you know, in a more. Well, because there is FaceTime, but if there was more and in a different way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Would, I'm, actually, I'm actually writing a post about this for generosity in terms of should council um, and even beyond council, just every elected member have a certain um, level of engagement with their community that is mandatory, right? Beyond mm-hmm. the sending out a newsletter or, you know, having a food drive or a food giveaway. And I think we have to be really 
um, creative with how we're engaging residents and meeting them where they're at. And I think even for an elected going into the community, what does that look like for that voter block and how are they engaging? And so an elected really understanding their demographics and where they're going to get them. Right. And who are the community messengers that they can really reel in for this? Because mm-hmm. um, we go back to that trust. Right. And so really having a sit down and meeting the community members where they are and not just for your annual event but for something a little bit more casual, right? Something a little bit less intimidating. Um, I think we, uh, you know, give people the, uh, we always think that people know what they're doing, right? And sometimes Mm -hmm. when we automatically assume uh, that people know what they're doing, it's very hard for someone to say, I actually don't know what that means. I actually don't know Mm -hmm. what that means. And so I always tell people when they talk to me, so of course you know, Jude. I'm like, no, no, no. Please assume that I don't know. Please assume right. that I do not know. Because then right. that's the position where I'm like, oh my gosh, should I have known that? Was that ridiculous for me not to know? And that goes back to the question, Carol, of how are we engaging this voter block in a way where it's a little bit more casual, where it's mm-hmm. genuine, where there is that level setting of trust and foundation, because this is not sure. something that can happen overnight. Sure. Well, family, there you have it. That <laughs> This conversation is underway. And guess what? You are invited to join the conversation. Um, if you care to do so, feel free to give us a call or feel free to continue to comment on our socials. What we're going to do right now is take just a short commercial break, but stay with us because we'll be right back. You're listening to Love and Life on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. I think I know. And we are back. Welcome back to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. We are talking with Jude Hussein and we are talking about government. We're talking about, well, specifically one demographic, the the 18 to 35 year old uh, demographic. You know, you mentioned something else, uh, Jude, offline. You were sharing about the role that young people uh, could potentially play in government and how important that is. Could you talk with us a little more about that, share with our family members? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think when we talk about young people, it's really important that I categorize young people even from the ages of nine all the way to 35. Um, and so I think... Uh, government, especially here in the city of Philadelphia, um, has tried to do their part in engaging young people, not to where they need to be. And I think mm-hmm. it's been like a trend that, you know, rises and then drops off and then rises and then drops off. And I think what's really important when engaging young people is actually taking them for what they say and believing and knowing that their lived experience is worth just as much as anyone mm-hmm. else or just as much as an education, a traditional education. And so I think time and time again, we always say, oh, well, they're young and what do they know? Or, mm-hmm. okay, like, let's come and take this picture and like, you can leave. Um, and that is not the way that we should be treating young people because we're setting the standard that they don't matter. And so when I think of a perfect world where young people are uh, involved in government, I think they're involved every single day. I think their voices are at the table and they're asked questions that are intentional and they're asked questions that um, that know that 
these, you know, elected officials or these people of leadership, because they're not always elected officials, um, mm-hmm. they take them for their word for it. This young person knows what happens on their block. They know what happens in the classroom, in the school district of Philadelphia or at the charter school down the block. And so these are real life experiences that in government, people need to know what is happening in mm-hmm. order to support within the solution and not continue to add to the problem. And so in my perfect world, young people have a voice that's taken seriously and not for granted um, and are not just there for a photo op, but also mm-hmm. for their time, right? Like they must be paid for their time. We can't ask young people to come and relive trauma and relive um, the horrors of what they endure, whether it's every day or periodically or whatever the case may be, but understand that lived experience here is really, really key. Um, mm. And to young people in the hot seat um, is something that should not be taken for granted and should not be looked at as a photo op. Mm. Jude, I have to say that is why we value you so much. I, I cannot express to you enough and have you know and understand that uh, we respect and value your opinion. Well, let me speak for me. Family, I will not speak for all of you, <laughs> but that I respect and value your uh, viewpoint, your opinion and your dedication and your advocacy um, because you're, you're on point. I just truly do believe you're so on point. You mentioned as well unheard of neighborhoods um, mm-hmm. in in uh, in our offline talk family. We talk a lot offline, okay? mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but only so that we can bring you some content um, mm-hmm. of interest. So when you say unheard of neighborhoods, to what were you referring? Uh, when I say unheard neighborhoods or unseen, and it it means exactly just that. These are the neighborhoods that are continuously counted out, whether it's in the traditional campaign sense where um, we look at data and if they're not voting, we skip over them because what's the point of wasting our time to mm-hmm. going into neighborhoods that don't vote anyway? Let me just go to that neighborhood in Rittenhouse that absolutely votes that neighborhood in Queen Village that absolutely votes, that retirement home in West Philadelphia where we know we can count on them or Northeast or Southwest or whatever the case may be. Um, And so uh, we... Uh, we look at that kind of mindset that people have. And then we look at just uh, everyday things like uh, the immigrant community uh, that maybe has that language barrier. And what are we doing to ensure mm. that there are resources for them? There are millions of dollars in public assistance benefits that are unused in the city of Philadelphia that just completely sit Um and it does not benefit anyone. It doesn't benefit the neighbor that needs those benefits. Um, and it doesn't benefit the businesses that can um, utilize those benefits when a neighbor comes in the job or things of that nature. And so what is that saying when we have um, an X amount of dollars, millions of dollars of benefits mm-hmm. that are sitting there and neighbors who don't have access to that, us in government and even the private sector and even our nonprofit organizations have a duty and obligation to make sure that neighbors across the city of Philadelphia alike 
and maybe an uncomfortable conversation have access, regardless of a language barrier, regardless mm-hmm. if they worship at a church, a mosque, a synagogue, whatever the case may be, and really break down those barriers, getting these neighbors what they want. And so when I think about and when I speak about unseen, unheard neighbors, I think about the people that are completely disregarded. Um, and it shows you know, it, it it shows when we talk about the polls, it shows mm-hmm. when we talk about millions of dollars of benefits sitting down um, and not being utilized. And it shows when uh, we look at uh, places of leadership and what that looks like. And when we're making programs and policies that uh, directly impact these neighbors, but yet sure. they were not a part of the creation and cultivation. And so uh, that's what I mean by by those specific terms. So what can we do? What 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 can we do to address specifically those those funds that are just there waiting? Uh, what can what can what, what can we do? Those of us that are on the outside looking in, what can we do? Absolutely. So it's uh, about having those, you know, even if it's a neighbor, right? Like asking them, like, if you meet this threshold, go to your local representative and have them sign you up. And that's a simple um, thing that we can do for our neighbors. If it's, you know, an education campaign where, you know, sometimes it's uncomfortable asking, hey, like, do you need public assistance. But Mm -hmm. the reality of it is that there is a stigma and really just asking flat out, like we should be able to do this for our neighbors and have it not be a stigma is really important. And as it relates to voting, if I'm sure everyone that's listening knows someone that's 18 to 35 and can bring Mm -hmm. them to the polls. And if you don't get to know someone and it really, truly does work. Um, I have a lot of people who, again, are intimidated that they don't know what's happening. And so why mm-hmm. would they have that vote? Because the stigma of, I should know that, and I feel really silly for not knowing that. So I'm just going to tell people that I know and just continue on is something that's really real and needs to be addressed. And it's okay not to know. And so these are really just the smaller things that we can do for one another as neighbors, whether we know each other or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that, there you have it. Family, if you have just tuned in, if you've just joined us, how about that? You're tuned in to Love and Life with Carol Riddick right here on WURD. We've been joined in this hour with Jude Hussein, who is our love bug. She's our recurring family member here on Love and Life, and she comes to impart knowledge. Uh, she shares with us about what's going on and what's happening and uh, offers uh, ways in which we can help. Uh, so, Jude, I say to you, thank you so much. Thank you. And I look forward to your next visit. First of all, it feels like you were here 10 minutes. I feel like we talked about one thing. It went by so quickly as it always does. It always does. But I do want you to know that uh, Eric shares that you rock. <laughs> he yeah. shares that Jude rocks. And you know, uh, well, your families, so you know, we love when you come, when you visit and when we get to talk Um my only regret is that we just don't get to talk about these things a little longer because sometimes there's some things that I really want to dig deeply into. But I am grateful that you do uh, return, that you you will be back. You will be back. Of course. Um, yes. I do want to share that uh, Miss Rosalyn, she, she says, you need to come back on. Jude will be back. She's she's coming back. You guys are stuck <laughs> with me. And Carol is stuck with me for as long as she'll have me. 
But oh, I am so grateful for you, Carol, <laughs> and for having me on and for your wonderful family that I'm going to call family now, too, because I feel like now I'm officially a part of the family because you know what they say, three times a charm, three times we stay. And so <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Jude, we will see you on your next visit. Family, stay with us because it's time for us to take a short commercial break. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 